I want to just say very clearly to you guys who are out there, and this is your thing, you're, you're in the wilderness, you're in a financial wilderness or a very basic need wilderness, and you just don't know. You don't know where that job opportunity is going to come from, the extra money is going to come from. You don't know what it is. God wants to provide for you in a different way. Look for something unique, something different. This is a good time to press in to the voice of the Father and listen for that tree branch that he wants to throw into the water to make it sweet. It's time now for the Autumn Mile Show. Today, it's October, the leaves are changing, the mornings are brisk, the middle of the day is hot, and the evenings are brisk, at least here in Texas. It's a good day. It's a good day. I hope you are having a good day. Welcome to the show today. I... I am fully prayed up. I am full. I've already been with the spirit of God. I am ready to rock after the break, you guys. Um, I hope you tuned in last week. We're doing a series um, called How Do You Win in the Wilderness? Are you First of all, are you in a wilderness season? If you are, um, this is for you. Do you feel like you're in the wilderness? You feel like you're wandering around, don't know where you're going. We did a, a part one series last week on the wilderness. If you did not listen, please go back and listen to that. It's It encouraged me, you guys, so much just studying in my own quiet time. Y'all know this comes directly out of my own quiet time. Today we're doing day two um, of our wilderness series, and it's going to be good. We're going to talk about the challenges you will face in the wilderness. Will. It's going to happen. So let's just agree that it's going to happen. There will be challenge in the wilderness. Some of you are probably already facing the challenges in the wilderness. Guys, it's going to be so good. Chocked full of scripture today, as always, because your girl loves God's word. Um, But before we get there, what's happening in my life? Well, I'm devastated over here. (laughs) I'm just totally devastated. My kid, my child... The one who made me a mother turned 17 on, don't tell her I'm devastated. Let's just just let it be our little secrets. (laughs) She turned 17 on Sunday. I'm not devastated because of anything bad that happened. I'm devastated she's getting so old, you guys. I'm telling you what, this kid is the life of the party. She is the life of the parties. She starts the party. Do you know what I mean? Like... Party going to stop when she walks in the door, start when she walks in the door. Um, so she turned 17. And I've got to say, this season of life, now some of you out there, you your kids are in college, maybe they're married, maybe you have grandkids, I don't even know. Like, we're, we're all coming from different places. But your girl right now is on the struggle bus so much with my 17-year-old, simply because she's 17. Which means next year she'll be 18, which means she's going to go to college. And all I can do in my head is plan out the fact that she's leaving me forever. 
But you guys, listen, we all know it's bittersweet. Those of you guys that have older kids, it's bittersweet. Like, we want them to stay, but we've prepared them to go. (laughs) So it's like, stay, don't stay, stay, don't stay, stay, don't stay, which is a lot more than my my dad did. He was like 18, you're out the door. But I like my kids, so, (laughs) you know, there's that. Anyway, we had this party for my child. I think I created my own problem because I have always, I am an extra person. If you meet me, I am extra, unapologetically. Like, I love six feet long hair. I love the nails. I love it all. I'm just, I'm loud. I'm just extra. So this extraness goes into every facet of my life, including my kid's birthday. Everything is a celebration. We celebrate every single holiday at our house. Um, It's always big. I've never missed an Easter basket. I've never missed like a Thanksgiving turkey. Like we've got the plates. We've got the, like we are, I am that person. Um, And, and, you know, my, my family has become accustomed to it. The older I get, however, the more exhausting it is to keep up. I started when my kids were little doing birthday parties that were over the top, okay? And like Grace's birthday is in October. So we did like a pumpkin carving thing every year when she was in elementary. And then that was like not cool anymore. So then we had to do other things. We inter- we introduced a hayride, which the kids loved. And then we introduced like, you know, all this other stuff. And um, when she became a teenager, we, you know, we've got the DJ. We've we've hired a DJ to come. So I, I like, I do this to myself. And now my kids are like, Mom, what you doing for my birthday party? Because they're so awesome. Well, Saturday night was Grace's birthday party. And it was awesome. I have to say. Um, all these kids, I mean, I think there was 30. I capped her at 25. I always cap her. I'm like, listen, 25, 17, and 18-year-olds, I think that's good. Like, who knows 25 people really, really well? I mean, like, seriously. Apparently, Grace does. Um, Like, 30 to 35 ended up showing up. I have no idea how because there was a cap on this birthday party of 25 people. But these kids came, and they did, like, we had Chipotle. She didn't like cake, which I'm like, who, what kid doesn't like cake? Um, anyway, we had crumble cookies. We had, they did a pie-eating contest, which is hilarious to watch 18-year-olds eat pie. We did the hayride because they love it. We did, you know, all this really, really fun stuff. But the whole time, I'm, like, caught between... The sweet and the bitter, right? Like, I'm caught between, I literally, we always pray over before we eat with all the kids. And I'm, like, standing there. My husband is praying over Grace, blessing her year. And I'm, like, crying. But I can't cry outwardly because the kids will think I'm crazy. So I go in the house. I dry my tears. And then I watch her. And she's having the time of her life. So then I laugh. So it's like, I'm crying and laughing. And I feel like a crazy person. (laughs) because I'm like, I'm so glad she's having fun. I'm so sad. I'm so glad she's having fun. I'm so sad. So anyway, it'll be an interesting year with that kid. She is, she's, she made me a mom first. Obviously, you know, I'm obsessed with all of my kids, but she made me a mom first. I couldn't be prouder of her. I I literally couldn't, I don't, I wouldn't know how to be prouder of this child. She is, um, she's just absolutely incredible. So anyway, that's what's happening in my life. Pray for, pray for me as I'm in this wilderness of my child leaving (laughs) eventually my house.
anyways, uh, that is what's happening in my world. I will see you right after this break. Do not go anywhere. You're going to want to hear week two. It's going to be good for you. And share this with someone who you know for a fact is in their wilderness season. Don't just hide this under a bushel, guys. Let your light shine. This little light of mine. Tell someone about this um, series because, listen, we want the word of God to encourage whoever he would encourage. And sometimes that takes us saying, hey, there's this series. Want to check it out. Catch me in just a second for week two of the Winning in the Wilderness. Are you new to this whole Jesus thing and don't know where to start? Or maybe you've been following him for a while and you want to dig deeper into the word of God. Then you've come to the right place. Each month, Autumn hosts an online in-depth Bible study through Facebook Live called The Jesus Initiative. The Jesus Initiative is a monthly spiritual challenge to anyone willing to join and grow deeper in their faith. She covers topics such as how to wait when waiting is hard, moving forward in faith even when you're terrified, and how to combat the spiritual warfare in your mind. Autumn's desire is to help break down complex topics in a way that's easy for everyone to understand and implement into their everyday lives. The goal of the Jesus Initiative is to tackle real-life topics in a real-life way, grounded in the Word of God. Understanding the things of God doesn't have to be hard. If you're a believer who wants to grow in your faith and strengthen your relationship with God, these Bible studies will challenge you in all the right ways. Simply search Autumn Miles on Facebook or follow her on Instagram at at Autumn Miles and click the follow button so you can stay in the loop for when the next Bible study starts. Okay, guys, we are back. I I can't wait to dig in. I'm so excited about this week and where we are going. Week two, how do you win in your wilderness? I didn't want to do a series that's like, we're all in a wilderness. It's so sad. No. How do you win in your wilderness? That is the whole um, reason that we're doing this. Because God, like we talked about last week, God led Israel into the wilderness. Satan had nothing to do with it. He had nothing to do with it. As a matter of fact, it was if it was up to Satan working through Pharaoh, they would have stayed in bondage in Egypt forever. So guess what? God led Israel into, out of bondage, into the wilderness. God did. Same thing he did with Jesus right before he started his public ministry. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tested by the enemy. Look it up in Luke. I talked about it last week. Listen, we can win if we know that God led us there. God did not lead us into a situation that he does not have provision for. In the wilderness, again, please go back and listen to week one. In the wilderness, We will face challenges, and I want to talk about and give you biblical reference for three 
major uh, glaring challenges that you may be facing now. And even even as I was reviewing this in my uh, meeting this morning, I was thinking maybe you're facing all three of these things. Some of us might be facing one of them, but I also can think of times in my own life uh, through my own different wildernesses that God has led me into that I face all three at the same time. So hang with me. It will encourage you. Why? Because God met every need that I'm going to show you about in the wilderness. And he led. The spiritual wilderness is ingrained in the principles of the Bible. It's ingrained in there. We see so many things happening in uh, the wilderness. As I told you last week, the wilderness is an uninhabited place. Or it's also referred to as a pasture, okay? We know that in a pasture, the shepherd leads his sheep, okay? So a wilderness, if we're looking at it like a pasture, we know that the good shepherd is there to lead us who are in the pasture to wherever we are going, okay? In the wilderness, because it's uninhabited, because it's uncomfortable, we will face challenges. The wilderness is necessary because we have a mindset in Egypt. Um, I talked about this a little bit last week. In Egypt, we knew where our food was coming from. We knew where our uh, money was coming from to pay our rent or, or whatever, however they paid for where they lived in Egypt, whatever that was. We, we had traditions that we held to. While, while we were in bondage, we were still comfortable. And I, and I do think it's important to note that comfort doesn't always mean freedom. Sometimes comfort means bondage. You become comfortable in a state of bondage. And Israel was that. They wanted to get out, obviously, because it was horrible circumstances, but they did know the way of life, okay? When you are leaving the, uh, the Egypt, the Egypt mentality does not work well where you're going, one of the reasons that we go through the wilderness is to transform the way that we think. Egypt mentality of knowing where things come from, being dependent upon the Egyptians for sustenance and for our work, doesn't work when God wants to take you to a land where you're going to have to farm, where you're going to have to provide for yourself. So in the wilderness, there is a mindset shift that is very, very uncomfortable, okay? That might be exactly where you are. In the examples that I'm going to give you today, um, that's what we see happening, okay? There is a challenge to the way of life that these people have been living. They're, God wants to challenge what they're thinking. He wants them to think deeper. He wants their faith to be greater. He wants them to, to, to depend on him more. So he allows them to enter the wilderness so that he can mature their mindset. And, and that is what we're going to see here. So this is you in the wilderness being tested, okay? Uh, the first place I wanna go today is in uh, Genesis 
Genesis 16, uh, verse 6 and 11. And I love this because here we have Hagar. She's one of my girls. I did a message years ago called Hagar Hay. And I I really do want to (laughs) revive. this message because it was so awesome. Um, but one of the things that we that we see in the wilderness is this woman who is in a very unstable place and she's lost all of her options. She is totally and completely alone. And I feel like that's where some, some of you guys are today. You have lost all your options. You don't know what in the world you are going to do. Um, at this point, she is pregnant with Ishmael. So she is like at her literal wit's end. Anyone out there? I know I've been there. You're like, what am I going to do? Lord, Jesus, I need your help. Let's read it. Uh, Genesis 16, 6 through 11. I'm going to pick it up in verse 5. And Sarah said to Abram, may the wrong done me be upon you. I gave my maid into your arms. But when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abraham said to Sarai, her name was not changed yet. Behold, your maid is in your power. Do to her what is good in your sight. So Sarai treated her harshly and she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water. Where? In the wilderness looky there by the spring on the way to Shur. He said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from? Where are you going? And she said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress, submit yourself to her authority. Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that They will be too many to count. The angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are with child. She's pregnant. And you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. Um, Obsessed with this. This scene in Genesis is precious. Because we see a woman out of options with Sarah. Those of you guys that don't know the story, Sarah was all about making God's promise work for her own self and trying to manipulate the hand of God. So she said to Abraham, sleep with my handmaid. And that's how we'll make God's promise happen because she didn't want to wait any longer for God to fulfill his covenant to Abraham. So it was a patched up version of a woman trying to control the situation. Well, he did that. He slept with Hagar and she got pregnant. And um, Sarah hated her, didn't like her, mistreated her because she realized, you know, what she had done. Hagar is like a casualty in this situation. (laughs) She doesn't know what to do. She's in the middle of a rough situation and she finds herself fleeing. She's out of options. I don't want to stay with her, but I don't know where to go. 
I don't feel like I want to be even with Abram because even though he's my child's father, I, I, I don't want to be there. So she flees and she flees into, let me just read it right. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness. She flees in the wilderness in an uninhabited place. She stops by the spring on the way to Shur. So she's sitting there and she is completely exasperated. She doesn't know what to do. And she's just sitting by a spring of water. Anyone in the wilderness saying to yourself, I do not know what to do. I am completely out of options. I know a lot of you guys are there. Because of whatever reason, you're sitting and you've cried, you've prayed, you've tried everything, and it's just not working. Whatever you're trying is not working. Uh, whatever everyone has told you to do, you've done, and it's just not working. And you're exasperated, so much so, but you're also exhausted, so you find yourself in an uninhabited place, plopped down by water on the way to Shur. And what does the Lord say? He says to her, and it's so incredibly beautiful. He says, Hagar. He does not say, who are you? Hagar. He knows her name. He knows where she is. He knows that wilderness. He knows she's plopped down by the water. He is not absent from her in this moment. Not only does he know it is her, he knows why she's there. I want to remind you, those of you that are in a wilderness of, I just am out of options. I don't know what to do. I'm exasperated. I'm by these springs. I just plop down. Let me tell you something. God sees precisely where you are. He didn't go wondering for her. He knew exactly where she, she was. And when he approached her, he said, Hagar. And he made it even more specific. Sarai's maid. Not just any Hagar. Sarai's maid. He knew precisely who she was, where she was, and what she needed. I think that just does something to our spirits when we are exasperated and we are completely out of options and we're fleeing and we feel like we're going crazy in our wilderness. God sees precisely where you are. Do you understand that? He knows your name. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows everything. He knows your frustration. He knows that you have been overwhelmed with your situation. And he, and, he, and he comes and he faces you dead in the face. And he says, Hagar, Sarai's maid. And then he says this to her, where have you come from and where are you going? Does he know that? Of course he knows that. But it makes Hagar answer the question. He asked her a question that is not a yes or no. That's not, oh, I'll just pray about it and think about it. He forces dialogue with this woman. Where have you come from and where are you going? Why does God force dialogue with us sometimes? Because he needs to get us talking, not to Abram, not to Sarah, not to anybody else. He needs to force dialogue with us so that he... He can be the one to lead us out of our wilderness. Maybe you have been listening to Abraham and Sarai and you don't even know what to think anymore. The questions that God chose to ask her in the wilderness are genius. 
because she couldn't give a yes, no, I'm fine, everything's okay, I'll figure it out answer. Where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, return, return, submit yourself to her authority. One of the things that the wilderness is called in one of the definitions, excuse me, for the wilderness is a pasture. And I love that this woman is sitting in a pasture. Wilderness could be, could be called a pasture as well. And the good shepherd comes and he forces a dialogue with her. And she says, I'm fleeing. And the good shepherd steps up to the plate because he sees her lack of options. And he instantly gives her direction. Go. He doesn't even have anything else to say to her rather than bless her. And we're going to get to that in just a second. The angel of the Lord said to her, return. He doesn't say, that's so sad. Tell me more. Why? Because she's looking for direction. He doesn't indulge her emotionally. He gives her what she actually needs, which is what do I do? She needs clear direction. The Lord doesn't sit down and say, tell me all of your feelings or tell me all your problems. He does in other circumstances. But in this circumstance, he doesn't waste her time by indulging her emotions, although they are great. He gives her clear, good shepherd, take to the bank direction. Go, submit yourself to Abraham. I mean, uh, to Sarah, excuse me. Submit yourself, uh, return to your mistress. Submit yourself to her authority. And then he does something beautiful in the midst of her wilderness. He gives her clear direction, and then he blesses her. We don't think of the wilderness as a place of blessing. And yet what you don't understand is sometimes it's the only place that God chooses to sit with us and to bless us. So many blessings happened in the wilderness. It's unbelievable. Maybe I should do a series on that. He gives her direction, which in and of itself is a blessing. And then he says this, I will greatly, verse 10, multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. Too many to count. Verse 13, then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God who sees. For she said, have I remained alive here? Uh, excuse me, it's very, very marked up. Have I even remained alive here after seeing him? The first challenge would be the person that is out of options and you are exasperated. Let me tell you something. God is right there watching you in your wilderness. He knows your name. And he also will force conversation with you so that he can give you what you actually need, which is clear direction. One challenge of the wilderness is us getting to a place where we are so exasperated that will actually talk to God only and listen to him only for his leadership and cut out all of the crap. She needed the voice of God, not the chatter of everyone else. That's a blessing in the wilderness. When we peel back every other voice and we finally listen 
and are in tuned and have dialogue with the good shepherd himself. And he doesn't disappoint because he leads us immediately. The second type of test, I'd say, in the wilderness is, oh, let me get to my, let me get to my passage, is practical. So we have one where we're, you know, you're out of options and you don't know what to do. That is a challenge of the wilderness. We just talked about that with Hagar. The second type of test is a practical test where you need practical things, okay? Um, This is going to happen to you when you are in this temporary transitional place that's uninhabited called the wilderness. There will be things that were a sure thing in Egypt that aren't a sure thing anymore. And we see this test in the nation of Israel. Let me read it for you guys. Some of you guys are worried where your bills are going to get paid from. Some of you guys are worried. How am I going to provide for my kids for Christmas? How am I going to have, you know, uh, how am I going to pay that bill for college? How am I going to buy groceries this week? Some of you guys right now in your wilderness that you find yourself in literally do not know how you are going to move forward. You're in a wilderness of practical things and it is challenging you let me tell you if God led you in the wilderness which we know he did Israel and we know he did Jesus in Luke let me tell you something if he led you there he has provision for exactly where you are he knows how to meet your need okay here we go Exodus um Exodus Exodus 15 22 it says this then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into where the wilderness of sure. Now, I don't have time to geek out, but this is the exact place, you guys, where Hagar was in Genesis, what I just read to you. This is the same place. Are you guys freaking out? Because I am. Bible nerd alert right here, your girl, but I don't have time to go into it. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now listen, when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah for they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. So the people grumbled at Moses saying, what shall we drink? Then he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree and he threw it into the waters and the waters became sweet. Then he made for them a statue and regulation. And there he, God, capital H, he tested them. One of the great tests of the wilderness is he tests us with needs. Okay. Let me go on and then I'll go back to that. And he said, if you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his command and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases, which I have put on the Egyptians for I, the Lord, am your healer. Then they came to Elam where there were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms and they camped beside the waters. Okay, here we go. He's testing them with a practical need. I want to submit to you in the wilderness. If God led you in the wilderness, what you see as a test, God has provision for. Every test that you have in the wilderness of practical needs, God has provision for. 
it is not, nor will it ever be, the same provision that he had in Egypt. In Egypt, if anyone would have picked up a tree and thrown it in the water, people would have looked at them like they were nuts. The provision for what you need in the wilderness will look different than Egypt. I just feel like if someone knows that the provision is not going to come the same way that it did in Egypt, you're not just going to turn on a spigot and water come out. You're going to have to see a weird tree branch thrown into the water, and that's how God's going to provide clean water for you or whatever practical need that you find yourself facing in this point. The problem is that Israel in this moment had an Egypt mindset. They wanted to go up to the spring. They wanted it to be sweet. They wanted to drink. Hallelujah. Everyone have a good day. But that is not how God builds dependence on him. He wants to show them that he is capable to meet that practical need. So he tests them. Listen, here's the water. It's right in front of you. I know y'all are thirsty. Do you believe that I can take this crazy, nasty water, throw a tree branch in it and make it sweet? What you see as a test, or what you see, excuse me, as a trial, God is using to test if you actually believe he is capable of meeting your practical need. That is what he is doing here. Did God know all along he was going to make the water sweet? Yes, he did. But he wanted Israel to believe that he was capable of making the waters sweet. That is so good. He loves you so much. He wants relationship with you so much that he's willing to challenge you so that you will find, learn, know, and see a piece of his glory that will benefit you more than if you didn't have the test To begin with, he knows he is the best for you. And you being dependent on him in the wilderness is better than you relying on the dependence of the Egyptians in Egypt. So he tests you to see, are they going to go back? Or or are they going to stand by this water of Marah? And are they going to say, I see water, it's bitter, it's literally undrinkable. But God, you can do anything. So God, change this bitter water to sweet in Jesus' name. Do you see what he's doing? He is taking the Egypt mindset out of them. Because he's preparing them for what he wants to do for them in Canaan. The test basic needs is a hard one because it's, it's a need. They needed water, right? They needed water. Verse 25 says this. When Moses cried out to the Lord, the Lord showed him a tree and he threw it into the waters 
and the waters became sweet. This is this is what is so beautiful about the wilderness. God is so close. Remember, I told you last week um, in Egypt they didn't have a pillar by day. They didn't have a pillar. Uh, excuse me, a pillar of cloud by day. They didn't have a pillar of fire by night. They didn't have it. Why? Because they didn't need it. They only needed the visible presence of God in the wilderness. And he did not take it away. It was with them for 40 years. Another thing that God does in the wilderness is he is quick to answer our cry. When Moses said, then, verse 25, then he, Moses, cried out to the Lord, same sentence, and the Lord showed him a tree. And he threw it into the water and the water became sweet. He answers us quickly when we rely on him, when he tests us because we passed the test. We passed the test. I want to just say very clearly to you guys who are out there and this is your thing. You're, you're in the wilderness. You're in a financial wilderness or a very basic need wilderness. And you just don't know. You don't know where that job opportunity is going to come from. The extra money is going to come from. You don't know what it is. God is wants to provide for you in a different way. Look for something unique, something different, something um, interesting. My husband and I were in this situation one time. And I'm going to get to point three here in just a second. Um, and we took a huge step of faith when we started the ministry, a huge one. And we had kids, <laughs> like we had, we had, we had two of the kids. We didn't have all four of them yet. We had two of the kids and we took a huge step of faith and I didn't, I mean, we literally were living on the word of the Lord. You said to take this step of faith when we started this ministry, you said, do it. We didn't call ourselves to this. <laughs> I never would have done that because it's been way too hard. But you said, you, Father, you said, step out in faith and start this ministry. So we didn't know how we were going to provide for our family. Um, and and we were we were believing God, trusting God, all of those things. But even still, you trust and you believe. And then you're like, okay, God, I've been trusting and believing for a minute. Where are you at? I remember, I'll never forget, I was on the elliptical, uh, which is very ironic because I'm a huge fan of the elliptical right now, but that, this is years ago. And um, the Lord the Lord said to me, I want you to check your mail. And I'm like, oh, check the mail. Great. So what do I do? I check all my email <laughs> because, duh, email. Uh, that's what's up. Back then, we worked through email, right? And I look through the email and I'm like having Eddie check email. I'm like, the spirit of God said, check your email. Well, ain't nothing in our email. It was just a bunch of junk and, and bath and body coupons. Like that's what was in our email. And um, like the next day, the Lord said, no, 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 your mailbox. Go check your mailbox. And I'm like, oh, the actual mail. <laughs> so we go and we check and they're, you know, you hear these stories all the time. And all of a sudden there was money and all of a sudden, well, it wasn't money, um, but it was an opportunity that was something that we followed up with that God ended up using to sustain us. I thought we needed to go get other jobs, and this was in essence one, but it was not delivered the way it was before. This is a good time to press into the voice of the Father 
and listen for that tree branch that he wants to throw into the water to make it sweet. This is the time to get outside of your box of thinking of how he provided for you in Egypt and say, okay, God, I'm open to anything. I'm open to anything because my need, my practical basic need is so great. Hagar didn't know what to do, was completely out of options. She was in the wilderness or pasture and the good shepherd immediately, immediately gave her direction. Here's Israel standing by water. Moses cried out. And guess what? Immediately, God said, there's a tree. Why don't you just throw the tree in the water? (laughs) And immediately, the water became sweet. Listen, we in our wilderness, he's transitioning our mindsets. So Egypt ain't going to work, guys. Just agree with me that Egypt is not going to work anymore. You probably already know that. But what you did in Egypt, it ain't working. You're in the wilderness, dude. You're uninhabited land. Ain't no one around. Just you and God. He's developing your dependence. Okay, last one. Third test. First test, I don't know what to do. Second test, practical need. Third test, exhaustion. This is the test. Um, and it's, it's a wilderness. Okay. It's a wilderness that some of you guys are in. I'm just exhausted. And, um, your need is not physical. You, you kind of know what to do. That's, that's not really the issue. You're not like exasperated. Um, you have your basic needs met, you know, you, you've got food for this week. You've got shelter. Um, you've got sweet water. It's great. But, um, there is also an emotional need that I wanted to talk about today. Emotional and mental needs are very, very important. And that also is a wilderness that we find ourselves in. First Kings 19 says this, Uh, I'm going to pick it up from verse one. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. I love this story. I've talked about it a lot. I'm going to come at it at a different angle. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me even more if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Elijah just killed all the prophets of Baal and Asherah and Jezebel wasn't happy about that because she worshiped Baal and Asherah. So she's like, Elijah, you are going down basically threatening to kill him. Verse three, and he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah and left his servant there. Now listen, verse four, but he himself went a day's journey into the, where? He went into the wilderness and came and sat down under the juniper tree And requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now, O Lord, take my life for I am not better than my father's. He lay down, slept under the juniper tree and behold, there was an angel touching him and said to him, arise, eat. Now I've talked about this a lot before. Um, so I, I really don't want to spend a ton of time on anything other than this. He was exhausted. He had just fought for the Lord. He had gone a journey with his with his servant to Beersheba. Then he left him there. And he went another day's journey into the wilderness. And so he sits down by a tree and he has an open conversation with God. He is mentally, physically, 
emotionally out of gas. So he sits down by the juniper tree. And we know that by his dialogue when he was like, I just want to die. That's what he says. Um, It's enough. Take my life for I'm not better than my father's. And he lays down. And I, I want I want to just talk to you guys about how you are utterly exhausted. I'll be super transparent. Cassie came into work yesterday and I met her and I, I there was nothing wrong. I was so tired that I started crying. And I'm not, that, I, that, that's not me, right? But physically, emotionally, and mentally, I was so worn out from over the weekend. And I looked at everything I had to do. And I, I think I even said, I don't remember exactly my words, but I was like, I need your help. Help me today. Please help. Uh, Elijah's much more, much more in a more dire state than I was yesterday. But I think we all can relate to just being mentally and emotionally exhausted. A situation has kicked your tail and you're like, I am in this wilderness. I can't seem to get rest. I can't seem to rest my mind. I can't seem to find my way around it. And you start thinking crazy things. Elijah's said, just kill me. I'm just ready to die. I'm ready to go with my fathers. And this is what happened. I've preached this before. You know, God didn't preach at him, didn't say, get up, go. No, no, no. He lay down and he slept under the juniper tree, verse five. And behold, there was an angel touching him. And he said to him, arise, eat. Then he looked, Elijah looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and he drank and he lay down. Now listen to this. I love this. The angel of the Lord came again, which tells us it was the angel of the Lord that came the first time. That's like, dude, you need a burger and you need, like, you need, you need some, some sparkling water and you need a burger. And then he came back again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time. And what did he do? And touched him and said, arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he rose, ate, drank, and went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to horror of the Mount of God. The angel of the Lord came the first time and touched him. The angel of the Lord came the second time and what's the first thing he did? He touched him. He didn't need direction. He didn't ask for food. In his emotionally and mentally exhausted state, he needed a touch, a touch from God himself, a touch. A couple weeks ago, I've talked about this multiple times, but a couple weeks ago on Saturday morning, I, I've, I'm in this state. This is, this is why this is resonating so much with me, uh, because my life is very tiring right now. And, um, I feel like I resonate the most with this kind of wilderness and I, w- I went out on a Saturday morning, and I'll probably talk about this for years to come. It was that special. And I sit in my chair, and um, I didn't pray. I just let the Lord minister to me for an hour. I needed a touch from the Lord. Elijah needed a touch from the Lord. A lot of us want to work ourselves out of exhaustion. Well, if I can just, you know, do really good on this, I'll feel good. I'll feel better. No, no, no. You need a touch from God himself. 
that's what you need. That's what Elijah needed. Turn everything over to the Lord and say, God, minister to me. We love to minister for God, and that's what Elijah had just done at Mount Carmel. But God is our minister, priest, high priest, God himself. We can't get so busy working for God and doing things for others that we don't allow ourselves to be pastored by God Almighty himself. You need a touch. You need time with Jesus. That needs to be a priority. Your mental and emotional wilderness, he will sustain. And that's what he needed. These are three challenges that you're going to face. Some wilderness, you're not going to know what to do. It's a test. Are they going to rely on me? Some of you guys, you don't know where your money's going to come from or you don't know where your food's going to come from. And the last one is mental, emotional wilderness. If we know how God dealt with these three situations in the scripture, know this. He will also deal with you that same way. He is faithful. These passages of scripture are in the Bible for a purpose for us. Okay? Okay. I hope that encouraged you guys today. Come back right after the break. We're going to get to a question in our story of the week. Catch me in just a sec after the break. Looking for a passionate speaker to bring the word of God for your next conference or church function? We've got the girl for you. Autumn Miles is the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministries with the goal of spiritually challenging the way people think. Autumn is dedicated to teaching the Bible in an engaging and relatable way so that everyone can experience the Lord in a deeper way. Autumn is a survivor of domestic abuse, and she's passionate about educating the church on how to effectively assist victims. Her message of hope and healing has been shared on the big stage internationally. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. So what are you waiting for? You can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement today. Just go to autumnmiles.com. Once there, just search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. Okay, guys, we are back. I hope you enjoyed. I hope that message encouraged you. I hope your heart feels like, okay, I'm not the only one going through these challenges and these struggles right now. To me, seeing examples in scripture of other people that have been challenged in the wilderness and then have come through the test and the challenge that the wilderness presented and met with God, I don't know. To me, I feel like, hey, I can do the wilderness. If it means that I'm going to see God in a new light, I want, I want that. I want my relationship with Christ 
to be deeper. Um, so here we are. One of my uh, fav- most favorite things to do is to hear from you guys. By the way, if God is doing something in your life, we're a huge community, guys. We're thousands of people that listen to this podcast every week. By the way, thank you for that. Um, But there's thousands, literally, of you guys out there. And so we all have a story to tell. And it really encourages my faith when I hear what, what God is doing in your life. So if you have a story of what God is doing in your life, email us at hello at autumnmiles.com. Share your story with us or just d- direct message me on social, Facebook, Instagram. Tell us what God is doing in your life because you're, that is a testimony that is, you're, you're like the woman at the well. You're like Lazarus. You're like the leper. You're, you, you're like these people that have experienced a miracle and now you need to tell the world. So this is what God is doing in your life, your, our community and fam. This is what God's doing us. Um, we have someone that wrote in that says, I have some serious hurts right now. And I love that guys. We're all real people. We all have serious hurts. I have some serious hurts right now. And the deep cuts in my heart are almost too much to bear. I've been praying for a sign from God. That's my girl right there. Just a single word that is directly from him. Today, I listened to the podcast titled Restoration is a Promise. I got four words from the Lord right there. She says, Jesus is alive and well, and he is answering my prayers. He came through and lifted my spirit in my time of need. Restoration is my promise. The fact that we're included in your testimony is amazing. Thank you so much for including us. But I love the fact that she she is asking the Lord to interject in her life. She's asking the Lord to speak to her heart. And God always takes those opportunities, meets us where we are. Sometimes it takes some time, but he meets us where we are and he answers our prayers. It's absolutely Um, So awesome that you wrote in and said that. God speaks to you guys. What do you need? What does your heart need? What does your soul need from the Lord? Ask. Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Ask him. What encouragement do you need? And then wait for his answer. Okay, here's a question. I love this question. And it's so interesting that this is my question because my husband came in today he was actually preaching for another uh, ministry today, and he was like, this is what I'm going to share. And it was kind of the answer to this exact question. So I'm going to share with you my, what my husband was going to share for his uh, message today. The question is this. I'm trying really, I'm trying to really understand the application of boldly making our request known to God and then get silent. How long? What does that look like for you? Not to say that I have the same experience that you have. I just don't know how to receive that life application. It's new to me. I usually pray. Recently, I learned how to pray and have faith and then go about my day. I find that my brain wanders in the quiet moments. I'm not sure how to experience this positively. 
This is a fantastic question. Um, because a lot of people don't pray big things because they don't think that God will answer them. Um, a lot of people don't pray big things because they're scared God say no. So asking what is the application? How do I, how do I do this? So my husband came in this morning and he said, I'm going to talk about when God invites us to come boldly before the throne of, of grace and to let our request be made known to God. And he gave the best example that I want to share with you. God has invited you to do this. Okay. God has invited you to come in. He's invited you to come boldly. I want you to come boldly in my throne room. Ask me what your request is. I want you to come as if you belong there. And my husband and I and my children were invited by, I won't say his name, a celebrity. He is a very well-known celebrity. A couple of years ago, we were invited to this celebrity's concert. He's a musician. We had, and I don't even know that this is a thing because I'm a dork. We had an all-access pass. On our pass, there was AAA. Triple A, okay, AAA, and I'm like, what does that mean? All access pass. Um, so when we got to the concert, we pulled up, and they told us very specifically, do not go in the regular entrance to this concert. Now this is in Dallas, so there's like a lot of people there, and we know he's famous, like he's famous. So they said, go in the side door. So we go in the side door. It's like a, it's a space where no one is parking because it's like behind the scenes of this giant concert. We, we park our car and like my kids are thinking like, this is the coolest thing that's ever happened to them in their life. And it was really cool. We get out, we're met with security. The security then takes us past more security. Then the security takes us past everybody else. And he takes us into a green room. In this green room, there is everything you can ever imagine or want. Food, you know, the whole thing. And right there is this musician. And we're able to sit and spend some time with him before the concert. There was no one that stopped us. As a matter of fact, the opposite happened. And they said, come on in. I have your name. We, ha we know you're coming. We're expecting you. Now, what we could have done, we, pat, we and we had literally all access pass. Like we ate with the band. It was really a really fun night, especially for my children who were like, this is amazing. We had an all access pass. We could have felt insecure. We could have felt like, eh, I don't belong here and gone and stood in line with everybody else that did not have an all access pass, but we did. Okay. That's kind of how it is for the Lord. You, my dear friend, already are welcomed in his throne room. God has your name. He knows your need. He is expecting you to come to him boldly with that need, with the authority of the blood of Jesus Christ that has washed you clean. He is expecting you. It is up to you whether to take that gift and sit on the sidelines and not do anything with it or to boldly come in. 
when you boldly come before the throne of grace, before the Lord, and ask him big requests or little requests, whatever it is, the next piece of that is expecting him to answer. There is a time period between asking and receiving. So for you, when you're talking about application, you already have access, okay, in the throne room to go in to ask. What I do specifically is when I ask, I'll ask the Lord to confirm from his word his answer. So if I ask, let's just say I'm asking the Lord to, I don't know, provide for a bill that I have. Lord, I need this bill met. Now, Lord, I have asked you for it. I am your child. I am in need of this whatever met. Speak to me through your word to confirm what your answer is. And it never fails. God gives me a verse and I stand not on how I feel, but on the word of God. Lord, you gave me this word. I'm going to wait for my answer. And some of some of my requests that I've come boldly before the Lord for people's healing, for people's salvation, for ministry things, for financial needs, for things for my children. Some of them have taken years. But I'm telling you, the Lord answers in his time and in his way. So you already have an all-access pass. Go in there. And then once you ask, ask also for confirmation for God's word so that if there is a delay in time, you can stand on the word of God and it will encourage you to continue to wait for that bold request. That was a very long answer, but I feel like I wanted to take the time to answer it because it was such a good question. A plus for the day. Great job. Um, Okay. I know this was long, but... I'm sorry, not sorry. I'm glad you guys joined in. I hope this is encouraging you. You guys don't want to miss next week. Don't miss next week. I'm going to talk about how the wilderness works. The wilderness works. You think, I hate this wilderness. I want to get out of it. Well, guess what? God is literally doing so much in you. And when you see what God has done in the nation of Israel, you'll want to stay in that wilderness. It's going to be good. I'll see you next week. Y'all know I love you. Have a great, great week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, you can check out the many resources that Autumn has available, from her books and past episodes to her video series. We've got all the tools you need to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. To get connected and for more encouraging content, you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. We appreciate your prayers and support for this ministry. It's because of you that we have been able to impact millions of people worldwide and that we can continue to serve those who need to hear Autumn's message of victory and promise. Find out how you can come alongside us when you go to autumnmiles.com. Just search the top of the index for the support tab. Thank you for listening in today and be sure to join us next time for another episode of The Autumn Miles Show.